reconciliation as in racial reconciliation. That is the title of this sermon. That's what we're talking about. That's why I opened with that verse, and you do not need to return to it. No Jew, no Greek, no slave, no free, no male, no female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are so one that the differences are peripheral. We are so one in Christ that any differences don't matter. We are so one in Christ that the little beanie differences are eclipsed by our unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That oneness doesn't mean that we don't have problems to work out sometimes. There were racial problems in the early church. There were racial issues they had to grapple with and try and find solutions for. In Acts chapter 6, there was a distribution of food daily to the widows of the church, and the Grecian widows were apparently, or at least they perceived that, they were being overlooked in the daily distribution. It was a racial thing. It's really interesting. One of the ways we know that for certain is that when they appointed seven men to be the deacons to deliver the food, every single one of them has a Grecian name. They said, let's pick Greek guys for this because this is a racial thing and we want this to go well. Again, in Romans 14, there were issues between Jew and Gentile. From the Jewish vantage point, there were two races on the planet, themselves and the Goyim, themselves and the nations, themselves and the dogs. Everybody else was one nation and we the Jews are one nation. And there were racial tensions and conflicts in the church that had to be resolved. And there were differences over foods and days and ceremonies and washings and all kinds of things. And Paul had to write and help them work through it. James deals with an issue of social status because there were people in their church, apparently they had ushers, who were saying, you sit here and you sit there. And they gave the guy in the nice clothes a really good seat. Notice the good seats in my life are in the front, by the way, just saying. Gave him a really good seat and said to the poor guy, you sit back there or sit here under my footstool. There were uh, socioeconomic things going on and James has to deal with those. So our massive oneness, no Jew, no Greek, no male, no female, uh, our massive oneness that we enjoy in Christ doesn't automatically make all racial tensions or conflicts go away. Oh, that it were so. Oh, oh that it would be that way. But we sometimes have to do some work to uh, treat each other properly. The last three sermons are on the one another's. A major section of the one another's of the New Testament are on how to treat each other right. Well, we ought to treat each other right across racial spectrums and across ethnic spectrums. And sometimes the difference, there are different views on what is right and who's treating who right and who isn't. And it can get very complicated in the church of Jesus Christ. And right now it is. Right now it is. Not in this church. I'm not aware of it being complicated at all in this church. We live in Harford County, and somehow we seem to be, I don't know, spared some of that. But, man, nationally and internationally, there are big problems and disagreements going on right now in Christendom. Here's where I want to start today. I want to make this point first. We'll put it up for you. We all descend from common ancestry. Now, we know that we're going to turn to the Bible in a second and show you that from the Bible. But we, before we go there, we know it now in a way that they then did not even know it. With, with modern studies of genetics, with studies of DNA, 
the differences in, in genetics, the difference in DNA between any two humans is 0.1%. That's the biggest difference there is. So in other words, we are all 99.9% the same, which basically tells us racial lines have now gotten very blurry and indistinct. When you're 99.9% the same, then what are the differences? Like if I have two glasses of milk here and somebody tells me there's a 0.1% difference in that glass, do you think I could tell the difference if I taste them both? My wife probably could, (laughs) but I can't. I'm not really good at discerning various tastes. Um, That's how same we are uh, in humanity and in the human race. So that some people are saying race race is no longer a biologically meaningful category. It is but a social construct. There might be a lot of wisdom in that. Uh, I read someone else said "A, a very white person of European descent may be more genetically similar to an Asian person than to a second white person of European descent. We're all, we're all so same and we're all so complicated and mixed that it, it's difficult to even talk about race. I know typically we think of race as being five races on the planet, right? What are they? There's African, there's Asian, there's European, there's Native American, and there's Islanders. Those are, the, those are the five classic races of people on the planet. But it's very blurry and it's very indistinct and we all descend from common ancestry. Now let's see that in the Bible. Acts chapter 17, we find the apostle Paul, he's in Athens on this place called Mars Hill. It's a great, big, tall rock outcropping. And the the wealthy people of that day would go up there and uh, do philosophy and debate issues and have fun and do poetry and whatever. It was a real gathering place for, you might say, the Illuminati and the wealthy of that day. And somebody heard the apostle Paul and said, let's take him up there. And Paul's up on top of Mars Hill, on top of the Areopagus, which means the hill of Ares, one of their gods. Paul's up there and he's speaking to them. And he starts way back broad at creation to get them down to Jesus Christ. And when he's back pretty far, here's what he says, Acts 17, 26. And, and he, God, that is, and he made from one man. Who's that? Adam. And there's another one man that became a point that we all passed through. What's his name? Noah. So twice, twice we all come through one man and one man. And he made from one man, probably Adam in mind in this verse, every nation of mankind. So that's supposed to mean every color, every race, every ethnic group, every nationality, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue. We all descended from one great, 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 great granddaddy. And we all squeezed through one on the ark. He made us all from one, having determined allotted periods. Why do you live now? Because he determined you would live now. He determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Why do you live where you do geographically? Why do you have the economic boundaries that you do? God has predetermined everything about you, all those things from eternity past. But the thing we want here is, 
We all come from common ancestry. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live upon the earth. So we are one. We know it because of genetics. We know it because of DNA. There's barely any difference between any of us. And the differences are hard to predict even. They're so mixed. Um, And we also know it from Scripture. We all descend from common ancestry. So we are very one. Uh, Some people even question the concept of races, and it's very common now to read scholars say, I'm thinking more like there's one race, it's the human race, and everything else is just blurry ethnic distinctions. And then others push back and say, no, we shouldn't change the terminology because we've thought of five races for so long, we should keep it, and there's debate over that. I don't care about that debate. I don't care which terms you use, but uh, we descend from common ancestry. Now, it gets better. Not only are we so one, so alike, so the same, so descended from the common same great, 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 great grandpa, but in Christ... We are made even more one, radically one, deeply one, profoundly one, spiritually one. In Christ, we are really, really made one. Whatever slight and insignificant differences we might have genetically, your 0.1% where you're different from me, maybe, whatever slight differences we have are so totally eclipsed by, overrun by, canceled out by how one we are due to our ancestry and how one we are, we who are in Christ Jesus. That's what we're going to be tracing out a little bit through the rest of this message. And remember, I'm not implying that because we're so one, it's always easy and we'll always agree. No, but because we're one, we will treat each other right in Christ while we try and get ourselves to agree. Does that make sense? All right, thanks, Shane. Really like that? All right, thumbs up. Okay. We're going to Ephesians chapter 2. If you're turning in your app or your Bible, that's where you want to be, but we'll put the verses up for you as well. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul makes a huge point of this very thing that we're talking about. I am not aware of any other passage in the Bible that would be a better one for us to go to to establish how very, very radically, deeply one we are and must be in Christ Jesus than Ephesians chapter 2. In this chapter, we're going to see a massive racial reconciliation occur where there had been hostility. And Paul's going to tell us what affected that massive reconciliation so that those who had been enemies and hated each other now walk together in the love of God found in Jesus Christ. So Paul's going to tell us this, and he gives us principles that should help us with any racial reconciliation that is needed in our day. Let's start. Ephesians 2.11, let's put it up. Therefore, remember... That at one time, you Gentiles, that's probably most of us in this room, a bunch of Gentiles. Remember, there were two races. There were Jews and Gentiles. So we're all the same race in the eyes of a first century Jewish person. Doesn't matter if we're different colors or what. We're all Gentiles. We're all the Goyim. To them, it was a little bit of a term of derision. Goyim. Goyim. Like, if you want to slight somebody, Goyim. If you want to make a racial slur, goyim. It was very racial. 
and it gets worse because there's another name, you Gentiles in the flesh called, quote, the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Let's go back in that. So you were Gentiles and they called you uncircumcision. Look at that uncircumcised person. Won't eat with them, won't talk with them, won't fellowship with them, won't allow them into your house, won't let them into worship unless they become proselytes, and then they can only go this far, the court of the Gentiles, and they can't come into where the Jewish people are allowed to go. And there was this deep racial tension where the Jews had names for the Gentiles, uncircumcised. They, even, they had an even worse name. They called them dogs. Dogs in that day were not like dogs in our day where you're driving your Cadillac with your little furry dog on your pet. No, it's not that with its head out the window. Dogs in that day were out in the street. They were like mangy, picking at the garbage to live animals, flea infested and all that. And they took that and said, those Gentiles, talk about a racial slur. They're dogs, uncircumcised, goyim, dogs. I just want to note, I hope I don't get in trouble for noting, please be kind to me if I do get in trouble for noting, that in our day of hyper-political correctness, bolstered by outrage culture, Paul would have been shamed for even writing such words. Paul, those are racial slurs. You're writing the Bible, man. Don't put that stuff in the Bible. He, he might have been doxed. For that. You know what doxing is? We're going to go back through all your other documents. Oh, look over there in Titus. He says, Christians are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Paul! Just want you to notice that. He would have been canceled. And he questions the legitimacy of what the Jewish group so proudly called itself. Look again. You were called the uncircumcision by what is called, see, he's questioning the legitimacy of this, what is called the circumcision, but it's not really circumcision. It's only the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands, which is no longer circumcision. Circumcision now is what? It is of the heart. Is when your heart is given to God. And so Paul is basically saying, you guys aren't even what you think you are. You call yourselves the circumcision. You're not. Gentile believers in Christ are the circumcision, the real circumcision. Man, this is, this is like racial you know, powder keg stuff in our day. Wasn't in their day. But this is what was going on. This was the racial divide that's going to be dealt with in this chapter. So there are two groups. There's massive and longstanding and deep racial tension there was animosity, there was a divide. Now he goes on, Ephesians 2.12. So you, you Gentiles, remember that you were at that time, before you were a believer, just remember this, you were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You and Israel had very little to nothing to do with each other. You didn't like them, and they didn't like you. You didn't fraternize with them, and they didn't fraternize with you. You were separated from the commonwealth of Israel, and you were strangers to the covenants of promise, and you had no hope, and you were without God in the world. So there's, there's where you were spiritually, 
And before we, no, let, let's go on to the next verse, please. Two, no, stay on 2.12. Thank you. I got it. So in that day, if your daughter, your teenage daughter, I'm looking at one, there she is. If your teenage daughter met this really cute guy, has that ever happened? It's probably happened, right? If she met this really cute guy and she brought him home one day to meet mommy and daddy and, and you were a Jewish family and it turns out she brings this really cute Gentile, a goyim, an uncircumcised dog. What do you say? What would they have said to their daughter? No, honey. And she says, but daddy, he's so cute. Does it really matter? Can't we just overlook that? No, honey. Dog. That's how it was. Let's go on. Verse 13. But now. That is one of the great but nows of the New Testament. But now. That's who you were. That's how it was. But now. Things are going to be different in the remaining verses. But now. It's changed in Christ. But now. In Christ Jesus. So this is true of any believer. This is true of any follower of Christ. This is true of any child of God by grace through faith in our Savior. Now you in Christ, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. All right, that's probably primarily near to God, but it's also near to the people of God and near to the commonwealth of Israel now spiritually and near to the the, uh, the Savior, you've been brought near, but he's going to go beyond that near, and he's going he's to give us more. Look at verse 14 with me, please. For he himself, that is emphatic. It's very emphatic in the Greek, and it's very emphatic in the English. He himself didn't need any help from anybody else to do this that he's going to do. No one else needs to contribute to this. You don't need to get a degree at a university that ends in the word studies. Uh, you don't need to be a sociologist. You don't need to read anybody's book. All you need to be is in Christ. He himself is our peace. Now, sometimes the peace gets shaken a little bit, and we have to work on it. They had to work on it in Acts chapter 6 when the Hellenistic widows were being overlooked. Sometimes there are racial things, and this doesn't mean we automatically all get right. doesn't mean we all automatically become super Christians and always treat everybody right. But it does mean Jesus Christ is at the very core, at the very center of, he himself is powerful enough to give us peace. You want to see racial reconciliation? One of the best things you can do on the planet is plant churches and preach the gospel and lead people to Jesus Christ, and they will change. About 12 years ago now, it's amazing how time flies, our hearts were turning toward Baltimore City. It was actually... There was a couple in our church, they're in Freedom Church now, our daughter church, Freedom Church, where Mike Crawford's a pastor. They were, uh, 
Her name were Andrew and Alberta Talley. And we had a prayer meeting in this room one night, and we were praying for church plants that we were supporting and working with overseas. And after the meeting, we were standing over in that aisle, right about where Peter and Virginia are, but in the aisle, and Alberta said to me, Pastor Steve, what about Baltimore? And I really hadn't been paying any attention to Baltimore. Never went there. <laughs> Just the white boy from the country here, Harper County. She said, what about Baltimore? And it, it went in. And I started thinking about Baltimore. And Debbie and I started taking trips to Baltimore. And some of you lived in Baltimore. And uh, there was a Bible study in Baltimore that I think came later. But we started thinking a lot about Baltimore. What can we do to help the city? we got to plant a church in the city. And that's why we took Michael Crawford from California and brought him out here and supported him while he planted Freedom Church. That's why we're heavily involved in supporting their daughter church, our granddaughter church, Freedom Church Number 2 over in Windsor Mill. We have Freedom, Freedom Hazelwood and Freedom Windsor Mill. And they want to plant another one in two years. And they want to plant another one every three years. And we'll support them, man. If the Lord gives us the cash, we'll support them. Because What's the best thing we have that we can give to Baltimore City? It is the gospel. What if we solved every other problem Baltimore had, but with no gospel, and they all died in their sins and went to hell? What if we can't solve any of the other problems, but we can lead a bunch of them to a saving faith in Jesus Christ and plant churches that plant churches that preach the gospel and baptize believers? We are giving them the best thing, the thing they most need on the planet. Now, let's do all the above. Let's try and fix all the problems. But let's make sure we keep the first thing first. He himself is our peace. Next Sunday, next Sunday is 25 years that we have been pastors together in this church. Not in this building. We built it later, but I'm, I'm going to celebrate that next Sunday, bro. You all hear that? How did an African-American Stan Gray put up with a little white boy from Carroll County for 25 years. There's no one else on the planet that I have ever worked with for 25 years. You, in God's providence, you, I've spent more time with you as a pastor, shepherding people in meetings, loving people than any other person on the planet. Isn't that interesting how that happened? And how have we been able to get along? He himself is our peace. Tonight at Freedom Church Hazelwood, they're having a what they call a freedom, uh, I forget the word, a freedom forum. Pastor Mike Crawford is leading the forum. You can access it by going to their Facebook page, and there's a link there, and it'll take you to the thing. Um, I'd encourage you to. The subject matter tonight is the, the Bible, the church, and Black Lives Matter. Mm hmm and I don't know what he's going to say. And I know he and I really differ on some of these things. And this Wednesday night for our midweek and the following Wednesday night for our midweek online, I'm interviewing Mike Crawford. And I've sent him a bunch of really pointed questions that I think he and I will disagree on. So it ought to be fun. But even when we disagree, Jesus Christ is going to be our peace. There are really fine African-American Christian leaders in America right now saying, yeah, I'm in favor of the idea of reparations. 
And there are equally really fine African-American preachers and leaders in the USA today saying, no, I think they're the dumbest idea on the planet. And they differ dramatically and they feel very strongly about it. But somehow, what I can see so far, they're keeping it together because he is our peace. Let's go on in that verse. He is our peace who has made us both. Who's the both? Remember in that day, it was Jew and Gentile. Hostile toward one another. Didn't trust one another. Didn't like each other. Described each other with racial slurs. He himself is our peace who has made the both one. How do you get Jewish people like that in that day and Gentile people like that in that day together you lead them to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And then they go, brother, brother, I welcome you. He's made both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There was hostility. And Jesus Christ came and broke down that wall. Now, some people wonder, what exactly is he referring to? with the idea of a wall. And some folks say, well, it must have been the little wall. There was a four and a half foot high wall um, that, that demarcated, the, demarcated the edge of the um, court of the Gentiles in the temple. So they had, the Gentiles had to stop at that wall. Some people say, well, that's the wall he's referring to. No, no, no. That wall was still there when Paul wrote this and would be there till AD 70. So it wasn't that wall. Others say it must be the curtain in the temple. No, that's a curtain. That's not a wall. What wall is he talking about? He's going to tell us in the next verse, but we're not going there yet, but I'll give you a peek. It's the commandments and the ordinances of the Old Testament that divided Jewish people off from Gentiles. You can't eat this, so you can't eat with them. You have to observe this day, so you can't be with them, et cetera, et cetera. And they were very marked off by the law and the ordinances so that they became a very distant, separate people. He himself is our peace who has made us both one. Look at the word peace. Peace means there's no fight. There's no war. There's no hostility. Peace is the absence of conflict. Peace means we're all treating each other right. Peace means we're all getting along. He is our peace. He's made us both one. He broke down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Jew and Gentile, one? Yes. He broke it down in Jesus Christ. Yeah, amen. Where there had been racial animosity, where there had been racial tensions. Jesus died on the cross, and to all who are in Christ, he obliterated them. Jew and Gentile, no more trouble. Now he specifies what he meant by that dividing wall. Ephesians 2, 15. Look at it with me, please. Here's how he Here's how he destroyed the wall. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. That is the Mosaic law, which strictly separated Jewish people off from Gentiles. 
in a way that they could not be one. Here's, what, here's something I want you to notice. Marcy, I'm about to move to the side. I haven't done it once yet today, so I just thought I'd better tell you. All right. For the cameras. I watched one where I walked right off the camera <laughs> a week ago. Didn't know. I was out there in no man's land talking to the camera. Now I lost it. That he might create himself one new man making peace. Oh, where was I going to go with that? I'm going to the next verse. So you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you're white and that person's a follower of Jesus Christ and they're an islander and that person's a follower of Jesus Christ and they're a Native American and that person's a follower of Jesus Christ and they're an African American and that person's a follower of Jesus Christ and they're whichever one I'd missed and they are more one than you can even imagine. Not only do they have 99.9% of the same DNA, same genetic code going on, but they are one, really one. They have peace by the blood of Christ. I wonder if you'll agree with me. There is a movement that is fomenting racial tension. There is a movement. There are groups of people who are stirring up trouble. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, sure seems like it. I mean, they're just trying to create hostility. I know I don't need to tell you all this, but I'm going to tell you all this anyway. That movement has absolutely no place in the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? It doesn't belong in here. We don't stir up. We calm down. We love. We welcome. We receive. We give. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, more like one another than any other thing could make us unlike one another. Again, it doesn't mean that we can get it everything figured out. Some people think, some people have, here's, here's the difference between Mike Crawford and me, really. He has one diagnosis of what's wrong with the city, so he comes up with a different diagnosis of what can fix the city. And I have a different diagnosis than he does of what's wrong, so I come up with a different cure of what can fix the city. So we differ. I love him like he was my own soul. I'm going to keep doing that. Even if you all go to the seminar tonight and he leads you totally astray and you believe him in his errors. <laughs> I'm still going to keep loving him. He's one of the men on this planet that I love. And it's going to stay that way. That movement does not make its way into the church of Jesus Christ. All right, I'm going to skip down to um, verse 21, please. Thank you, Zach. So he's talking about the church of Christ. The foundation of the, is the apostles. Christ is the cornerstone, 221. In whom the whole structure, that's us, being joined together, that's us, grows into a holy temple. You see, there's more of our unity in that. We are one building, one temple, one structure. We are joined together as the house of God. Next verse, please. In him you also are being built together. That's what we do in here. Some people out there are trying to tear apart. We are building together. We are being built together into a dwelling place for God 
by the Spirit. We are the house of God. He dwells in us as believers. Now, I have some, I'm at 32 minutes. You going to be okay if I go through some points by way of conclusion? Anybody going to get mad at me? Yeah, but the person next to you has to go potty real bad. They can just go ahead. Not where you are, but I mean, <laughs> didn't come out right. <laughs> you may go back to the restroom. It's okay. All right, here we go. Here's point number one in closing. I'm not, I don't have these points up there. So, Zach, how about we just put up there the uh, title of the message, please? Thanks, man. We are the church of Jesus Christ. Here in the church of Jesus Christ, we get our truth from God's word. Not from the sociology department, not from that author, not from that new best-selling book. We, we get our truth from God's word. Ephesians 2 is a wonderful place to go if you want to know about racial reconciliation. It's God's word. Here's where God tells us, here's how it works, folks. Here's how I'm doing it, folks. Here's what makes it happen, folks. Here's how beautiful and sweet it is when brethren dwell together in unity, folks. It's God's word. It is sufficient to tell us how to reconcile with people with whom we have been hostile. Now, I'll just tell you, because some of you very lovingly brought to my attention your positions on some racial things, and we differed over it, and, and bless you. I love you, and I've really enjoyed our conversations, and I want them to continue, and I've learned so much. I decided I, needed, I just need to read and read and listen and listen, and for weeks now, in, in all of my spare time and in some of my work time, I've just been reading and reading and reading and reading different views and different positions, because that's what you have to do, right? You're not allowed to settle on a position. You're not allowed to have an opinion till you can express the views of both sides and then why you refute them. And when you express the opposite view, you have to do it in a way that they would recognize and say, yes, that's exactly what I believe. You're not, you're not allowed to have an opinion on something until you know what both sides. In fact, what you really have to do, I'm going too far, Ernie, is uh, the thing to do is find who are the best proponents of that view on the planet and master what they say. So now I know what, here's the best presentation of that view, and then find the best presentation of the other view, and maybe there's a third, fourth, and fifth view, and you gotta read, you have to identify and read the best people, and in the past couple weeks, I'm up to uh, 30, maybe 34 pages of single-spaced type notes that I've taken as I've been reading the best people I can find on the issue, because I need to come to a position. Or at least I need to know I'm too dumb to come to a position. <laughs> but I'm trying to figure this stuff out because I want, I want things to be right. I want to do what's right. And then a couple days ago, I read Ephesians 2, 11 and following, and I thought, that was way better than everything I just read. It's God's word. What we need is God's word. What the world needs is God's word. That's my first point. In closing, we're the church of Christ. We go by the word. Here's the second point in closing. Jesus Christ died for and saves men and women from every race and ethnicity and group on the planet. The gospel is for all. The kingdom of God is for all, not just one race, not just one ethnicity. In the book of Revelation, several times we get a peek into heaven, and he says, and behold, I saw a throne, and here's who was before the throne. A, a great multitude that no one could number from every, this is the racial terminology that John was familiar with, from every kindred, tribe, and nation, and tongue. That's how he divided up the races. 
And they're all in heaven, together as one, worshiping the Lord Jesus. That's where we're headed. Let's be that now, huh? Let's be that now. We, we, we are loved by the Savior equally. We are embraced by the Savior equally. Let me go on to, I'm going to skip one, so now I'm going to get my numbers mixed up. But the next one, number three in your counting. Uh, back to that movement that's in the land, stirring up racial divide. Where does it come from? Not the Bible. There would be different answers in the population as to where it comes from. Some would say it's coming from the Oval Office. Some would say it's, it's coming from radical right extremist people, hateful people. Some would say, no, actually, it's coming from the radical left. Um, it's coming from uh, um, college campuses and from courses that end in the word studies. And yes, that's the third time I said that. I'm, I'm kind of stuck on that. Courses that end in the name studies. Parents. When you send them off to college, if you want them to come back to you and still get along with you on views and issues and things, do not pay for them to take courses that end in studies. Just saying. Don't get anybody get mad at me. Others say it's financed by Antifa, who is allegedly financed by George Soros, cash. Whatever the source, wherever this animosity, whoever's stirring it up and wherever they're coming from, there's little doubt there are people in the land who are stirring things up. I just want to say again, there's absolutely no place for that in the church of Jesus Christ. We have received not the spirit of the world. Don't you go catch their diseases and bring them in here, anybody. But we have received the spirit that is from God. It's a spirit of unity and of oneness. So we've got to be ready to stand with our Bibles in our hand and stand counterculture and swim upstream and don't get swept downstream in all of this noise. Oh, there's so much more I'd like to say, but I, now that I'm looking at it, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> Tune in on Wednesday night and see what Mike Crawford and I get into. Probably going to lose my job or something over this. It's going to get crazy. What God has joined together. Do you see how one, 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 one we are? What God has joined together, let no one separate. Amen? Again, I'm not saying this makes everything wonderful out there now. Now, there are still issues that humans have to grapple with. There are people we want to help. There are disadvantaged people. They're part of our family. We're a nation. We're a family. If we can help them, we want to help them. So this doesn't mean there aren't things to work on on planet Earth, but it means we in the body of Christ have what they really need. We're one. All right, we've got to pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this time in the book of Ephesians, this time looking in your word. I'm going to leave this here for you. Um, we pray, Father, for people in this room and people who are listening. Some of them are 
not followers of Christ. We pray that somehow something in this service, something in this message would have grabbed a hold of their hearts and that they're ready to turn to the Lord Jesus. And if I'm describing you, if that's you, would you pray with me right now? The words don't really matter. Your heart is what matters. But would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I've been living my life my way, and I've been far from you, far from God. But Father, right now I'm turning. I'm turning to you. I'm turning to love you and embrace you and be near to you. And I'm believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Please forgive me my sins and give me everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Oh, and Father, heal the divides in our nation, we pray. Heal divides that are in hearts. Bring peace, love, and joy. Bring the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Hey, thank you, Steve, for the message today. Uh, before we begin with the Lord's Supper, a uh, few things. Uh, when, you, when we're done, you can dispose of your cups. There are little bowls under your row. You can dispose of them there. For those of you that are joining us online, you can take this time to go get your elements and, uh, and then join back. Why do we do communion? Why do we do this? Well, it's to be a time of celebration and joy. As we heard, this is a time that we remember the reconciliation that we have with God. We were his enemies. Now we are at peace with God. The time that we celebrate that and we remember the Lord Jesus and all that he has done for us. It's also a time of reflection. It's a time for us to inwardly reflect.